they are hard in a sense that they're almost like poorly worded questions and like so specific um, that, you know, don't let it discourage you. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we talk about pain, rehab, performance, and education. If you have questions about the nuance that we dive into, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about it. Apart from that, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we hope everyone stays safe and is staying healthy. All right, guys, welcome back to today's episode of the podcast. Um, right now, it is today it is May 4th, 2021. Uh, we just had a student, Tyler, end his clinical. Um, we have other past students, you know, Hannah, if you guys had been listening to the podcast back then. She just took boards, uh, and so if you're listening to this, Hannah, good job. We miss you. Um, but she just took boards because she sat for it in April. A lot of other people, I'd say, I think statistically the majority, um, will be sitting for it in July, mm-hmm. July 28th or, or whenever it is, like the fourth Tuesday in the month or something of that nature. Um, but people are going to be sitting for it at the end of July, and there's obviously a lot of questions that we get because I have posted about this on my Instagram before in the past about how do you guys prepare for uh, the exam and what book did you use what were your scores on the practice tests and your ultimate score on the thing and how do those compare and um, what resources do you have and you and I Troy have had wildly different experiences prepping for the exam and we're both licensed PTs. We both passed the exam when we took it. Um, so I think it would be probably helpful for people to hear the two sides of kind of the coin in terms of how you can approach it. So um, what was your experience like prepping for the NPTE? Mm-hmm. I think our year was a little different in general because we our senior year was in COVID year, right? So. We were both on clinical at the same time, like that February to May time. And both of us got basically kicked out of the clinic for a little bit Um, during that because of COVID, everything was shut down. So I had two or three weeks off during my clinical and I had nothing going on, you know, stuck at home, the whole, the world was ending around us. So perfect time to start studying, right? So I remember I went pretty heavy studying for those two weeks and then the clinic opened up and I was back in the clinic. And you were planning on taking it in July. July. Yep. I was signed up for July. So you never planned on taking it in April. We were not allowed to because of our school. school. So yeah, you're going to have a different standpoint in general just because you took yours before me. Right. Um, So yeah, I was July and then um, I was back in the clinic after the three weeks. So I was doing like 40 plus hour weeks because the days were so much longer because we were treating during COVID and had to make a ton of accommodations for that. So my studying plummeted. And then I just had, you know, the weekends, but you know, finally the weekend after a super long work week. And, you know, you're so jealous. I was jealous at the time. Um, all my classmates were still all from clinical. So they were able to study, you know, full-time shifts throughout the week and then had weekends off. So I had a tough time motivating myself (laughs) to do stuff on on the weekends. Um, So I was just getting, I don't know, maybe like 
eight, 10 hours a week studying. Um, and, and that was it. <laughs> and then um, even, you know, right after my clinical in May, I, I was working as lo- like a tech in the clinic. So I was still working long hours and still wasn't able to study that much through the week. I still was only able to study like two days a week kind of thing and all the way up into the boards. So my, my timeline was a little bit different than yours. You, you took the earlier test um, and you were, you were on clinical the whole time you were studying, right? Yeah, well, it was a little weird because of, of ending the clinical, but did you study eight hours a week? So you studied eight hours a week for how many weeks? I gotta pull the calendar, I don't know. I mean, I started, you in, started in March when we, we shut down and okay. I, I went heavy for like those three weeks and I say heavy probably like five hours a weekday kind of thing okay and then um I was eight eight weeks through probably up until the last week of the board so all of April were you studying yeah all of April all of May all of June and most of July so about four months mm-hmm. 16 weeks maybe of eight hours a week a week yeah so what is that that's a 128 hours or something like that mm-hmm. um so you had about 128 hours plus those two intense weeks where maybe you hit 20 each week or something like that yeah and uh so you maybe had 148 hours per well 168 for the whole thing around there you know, <clears throat> i guess so mid 100 like 150 ish yeah okay yeah i mean that's actually not i don't think that different than me i was in a weird situation where uh i was scheduled to take it april 28th uh because i was going to do the early date my clinical was from january like 7th through i think april 26th so i was going to finish my clinical on friday and then take the npte on the following tuesday uh, so the full 16 week clinical was basically my 16 week, uh, NPT prep. So I had laid out a plan to study 10 hours per week for 16 weeks and then have accumulated 160 hours of studying. And my original plan was to, um, in those 10 hours per week, the first 12 weeks based on how many how much time I felt like it took me to read 10 pages I should have been able to finish the full score builders textbook in those 12 weeks um, and then that would give me a month of time to be doing practice tests and reviewing specifically like weaker areas um, and that was my plan so I started in January 10 hours a week it would be like three hours Saturday three hours Sunday and then essentially one hour per day, per night, Monday through Thursday, um, something along those lines. And I uh, was doing moderately well with that. I would really just show up to my clinical about an hour early and read in the car before going to the clinic. And that was like my weekday readings. Um, And I was doing well and then obviously mid-March got pulled out of clinical. Um, so it was like mid March. I was about, I was about maybe six weeks away from taking the NPTE and then I had nothing to do. 
the hardest part was that it seemed like the NPT was going to get canceled. Mm-hmm. And then late March, I believe, or early April, it did officially get canceled. But with no insight on when you were going to be able to reschedule and no insight on, you know, we didn't know what the hell was going on with the whole world, obviously. And so I had gone home to South Carolina. My clinical's over. I'm done with school. Uh, the CAPTI accrediting body decided that as long as you met the minimum hours, you could graduate. So I was never going to have to go back to the clinic, but I was unsure whether or not I was going to be actually sitting for the exam and when. Like, was this going to be pushed back to the July date? I had no idea. So you just had to be ready. So I had to just be ready, but I was studying for an exam that I didn't know was actually going to happen. And I was like, I have all this free time. I could easily study way more than 10 hours a week and be sure that I'm going to hit it. But how long am I going to study 30 hours a week if I decide to start doing that? So I was almost like worried I need to pace myself a little bit. But to be honest, pretty much the first half of April, uh, by the time things started playing out and I didn't know yet when my test was going to be rescheduled, I kind of studied maybe like five hours a week um, because I was just so unmotivated with the test being canceled and no idea of when I was going to be able to reschedule it. That for those first two weeks, I was kind of just like, half studying a few hours and then I would go lift in the garage and uh, go sit outside and, and drink some lemonade. I was in South Carolina where the, the pandemic wasn't happening yet or really it never happened, but I was, I was just kind of relaxing in South Carolina um, in early April. And then uh, I ended up getting the opportunity to reschedule the exam and the because I was in South Carolina and things were opening so fast, uh, I was able to schedule it for May 5th. So then I had like three-ish weeks where I was able to like actually have a date in mind. I still didn't know if it was going to get recanceled because that was happening in other areas too. But then for those three weeks, I probably studied 35, 40 hours a week for three weeks. So I had studied like 10 hours a week for maybe 12 to 14 weeks then kind of moseyed off for a week or two and then started 40 hours a week for the last three or four and this is all rough estimates but if you actually go on my instagram and scroll back to around july of 2020 i did a post on there somewhere laying out specifically like this is how many weeks there and there um but so i ended up somewhere in the neighborhood of like that 180 200-ish mark of total hours studied over the course of the the full preparation. But obviously, it was very atypical compared to most people just because of COVID and the rescheduling and canceling. And it it was honestly just ridiculously stressful to not know when the exam was. Um, But so we didn't actually study that much differently in terms of the cumulative number of hours. Yours was just kind of like front loaded almost and then you cruised or coasted into it and mine was the opposite yeah and mine was a little different too because we had to pass the pete exam for graduation in may so we had to do earlier studying Mm. and be pretty sufficient with the with the material like at graduation Uh, so that's why there was kind of that front loading and then i just kind of like coasted through the months so you took when did you take the first pete um graduation so may early may early second week of may and what did you you want to share your scores 
so long ago. Um, you needed like a 600. 600 is passing. 600 to pass. You obviously got over 600. I got over like graduated. mid 600s maybe. Yeah, like 650 something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think I took the first Pete. My Pete's were weird. I took Pete 1 and 2. Pete 1 was a retired exam. Mm-hmm. And the second Pete was like a... The academic one. Yeah, like a phony Pete mm-hmm. that was still fairly similar. Um, I took Pete one after studying for like six-ish weeks in February, or maybe I took it early March. So I was maybe getting like eight-ish weeks of studying. And I got like 680. And then studied all of that extra studying, and I took it like two weeks or a week out of the actual real exam. And got like a 695. So it was like... Point of diminishing. So <laughs> many hours of studying. And I, I got a 15-point improvement on the second peak. But obviously, it's hard to compare one to the other. Tests are so different. But yeah, if you're if you're that far out, 12... Like you were 12 weeks out, over 12 weeks out of the exam, and you're getting over 600, like 650. And I was the same. It was like mid-February, early March. So I was like 10, 12 weeks out and was in the same ballpark um and obviously it worked out well enough for us to pass we just had to kind of keep studying and keep going um do you remember any of your scores on the therapy ed i actually didn't take those i didn't do therapy ed i only did score builders Hmm. and um i basically just read through the book twice and gripped and ripped it but um the score builders were all different i remember the test being so much like the first one I was just like five points under, and this was I think before the Pete. I like I I didn't pass it, and then the second one, I think I did better on, and like I was, you know, right under passing or just passed. And then I, if I recall, the third one was like ridiculously hard, and like the whole class mm. like failed miserably on that one, like nowhere near passing. And mm. then everybody started freaking out, and I, oh my gosh, I need to study sixty hours a week and yeah. take and buy all these Pete's and stuff. And uh, if I recall the score builders test, they were good because they challenged you and you had to look up, you know, a lot of things that you got wrong. But I remember them being kind of poor tests when compared to the the Pete's and the actual MPTE. Yeah, I mean, the Pete's are obviously the most specific to what the the real MPTE is going to be like. Um, I never took the score builders because this is my perception. Therapy Ed was higher quality, much more difficult in terms of the textbook and the exams. Score Builders is more reader friendly, generally easier to to read and to review, but the exams are worse in terms of like actually, you know, preparing you for what the real exam is like. So I read the Score Builders book cover to cover like you did. And then when I was done reading it, I never picked it up again. And then I took the therapy ed exams and used the therapy ed textbook to review my weaknesses. Because I assumed that some of the weaknesses that I was having was gaps in the score builders book that I wanted to improve upon with the therapy ed book. But the therapy ed exams were absurdly hard. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I got a... I think it, the it goes A, B, and C. And A, I had gotten a 68, which is actually pretty good. Uh, I just it sounds bad percentage wise, um, 
but if out if you're getting in the 60s you're like actually pretty much on track mm-hmm. um to do well on the the real exam so i got like a 68 and then the second one i got a 79 and so i was like damn i'm improving and then the last one which was actually the week before the exam and was like a month or two or so and a hundred plus hours of studying later than exam B and I got like a 72. So I got like seven points less than I did on the second one. That crushes motivation. Crushes your morale. Yeah. And I was going into the real one, but I had passed both the Pete's and I was close to 700. So I was like, okay, you know, regardless of the therapy had one. And I had looked at some forums online of like, what do other people say? Cause I, I really wanted to know like, what does this equate to? And I was seeing people say like, oh, on the therapy ed, A, B, and C, I got a, a 64, 68, and a 67, and then I ended up getting a 720 on the on the real thing. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'm in the ballpark of what people who passed seem to have been getting on the therapy ed. So I was pretty confident. Um, and then I ended up doing well on the, on the real exam. So mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of just something that uh, you really have to take those exams with a grain of salt for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PEATs are going to be the most predictive or the most accurate. And I think this, there's some statistic that people repeat that I don't know if, if it's real. My CI told me this. It was like if you pass the PEAT, the real PEAT, on the first try – the chance of you passing the real thing is like 95% it's or something really like that. It's with the Pete. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really high if you pass the Pete basically. Um, and then especially obviously assuming that you're going to add on studying and, and more prep and review. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, okay. The score builders was easier to read. You read that one. Yeah. I read that one. Therapy ed provided very in-depth, hard to digest information that I would only really use for weaker areas was there any other resources or were there any other resources that you used to prep? The only other one I used was the PT365 app, like the question a okay. day app. Um, other than that, no. I mean, I did I did both the PETs, the um, retired one and then the academic. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, the, the score builders and I guess the therapy ed exams, they are hard in a sense that they're almost like poorly worded questions and like so specific um that you know don't let it discourage you yeah and like how you took the one thered right before the exam yeah i would recommend maybe like leaving a pete in the bank and taking that right before so you're going in you know going in hot feeling good for this exam because i know a lot of like my classmates took the the last uh score builders right before the exam and got crushed and then you know, they feel like in the last two, three weeks, they were just like crushing studying and going like overboard and just jamming information into their head to the point where they were getting things mixed up when realistically towards the end, you should probably just be almost like relaxing and just like, you know, basically cruising so that you're going in kind of not overwhelmed into the exam. My thing was that I knew that the Pete was predictive and I knew that it was more accurately representing it. So I was terrified that if I took that the week before mm-hmm. and I didn't do well, then I knew that that was actually predictive. Yeah. But bombing or not doing well on a therapy ed one wasn't going to mess me up as much because I anticipated doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I almost wanted to take the Pete. I took the second Pete two weeks out, and I almost wanted. I was like wanted to have two weeks worth of work to put in, and the Pete would like give me enough of an idea of where I was at to make an accurate prediction. But that's interesting. So you just use score builders. You use the PT365 app for some extra questions. That's it. Um, what else did you use? I mean, I use score builders and the therapy ed, mm-hmm. both, both textbooks, but I only read the score builders, obviously. Um, we also, our school did the therapy ed, like little weekend course. Which well, you did you, a ther ed weekend yeah, course. Yeah. You yeah, score, score builders weekend. I'm course. sure it was equally useless. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. But they did, they did give us a therapy ed workbook. That was like a condensed version of their textbook with just like kind of key concepts. And uh, that that I kind of use for some weaker areas a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I used both textbooks. And then I did buy the uh, Score Builders Basecamp mm-hmm. thing, which is like another app that just gives you a, a bunch of little practice questions. But they're all like first order questions, like easier. Yeah, just like which kind of... Foot orthosis? Would you use if someone has a you know drop foot? Would it be a, a dorsiflexion stop or a plantar flexor stop or something like that? So mm-hmm. it was uh, very first order, very basic. But I would sometimes be in the car or on my way somewhere or doing something, standing in line, and I would just go like through three or four quick questions and some of those like little things that I wouldn't have remembered. That was kind of nice for, and then. Um, I did use the practice exams from Therapy Ed, the two Pete's the school bought us, and uh, there's something else. I'm, oh, um, NPTE Clinical Files, the podcast, was something that I used towards the end a lot. And Kyle Rice is the guy who runs it. Uh, so he's definitely worth checking out. He puts out a ton of good NPTE prep info. But he has a podcast where each episode is only 15 minutes. It breaks down a question on the NPTE or, you know, on the PEAT or whatever. It's The questions are, like, identical to what you see on the exam, uh, even though he can't officially get them from the exam. But they're basically identical. And um, he breaks down the question, like, in depth in 15 minutes on why did they ask it this way? Why did they use what was there one word in the question that changed how you should interpret it or think of it? And, and that was so helpful for me to like shift my thought process around like, ah, this is how I should think about these questions. Um, and honestly, the most useful part was because I was in a position towards the end that I didn't have clinical and I was studying for it a lot of hours per week. I would read a book, whether it was therapy ed or, or score builders, usually therapy ed by that point and do that for like an hour or two and then i would just get so fatigued i would listen to like two podcasts and that would be like another 30 minute kind of break where i would just lay on the couch try not to fall asleep listening to these podcasts and uh (laughs) between the base camp arena the podcast the reading of the actual book that gave me enough different modes of studying that i could spend six hours in a day studying and not completely lose focus and only actually retain an hour worth of information. So just kind of mixed it up a little bit. How did your exam studying differ or how was it similar to your PT school studying? Because I know mine was kind of the same. Like at that point I've developed, you know, such a good studying habit for making it through PT school. 
and I kind of just followed my same routine. You know, I I would just read through my notes like twice before an exam, and I would just take the exam, and I'd I'd be fine. So I just kind of did the same thing with the peat. Even, you know, I'll admit it. I I crammed for every single test in PT school. I put it off till the very end, kind of shoved it in a few nights before and went into the exam. And I, I kind of did the same thing with the the exam and that worked for me. I wouldn't maybe <laughs> recommend that for a lot of people, but like I kind of coasted for months and then I probably picked it up a little heavier and actually like sat down and focused when I studied towards the end. And, you know, it just, that's how I studied. It's worked well for me in the past. And I, I stuck to my guns and ran with that just on a bigger scale, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that people should radically change the way that they study for the NPTE as compared to in PT school. Like you should kind of know yourself and know what your style is. I think, yeah, a lot of people do have the same kind of coast in and, and then cram at the end because you were still studying, you know, eight, 10 hours a week or, or more on the, the line of like eight or, or less, but you were still studying a little bit on the weekends for months leading into it. Mm-hmm. You probably had enough of a base to then hit it hard right before and be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you had done nothing and tried to do that, it, oh, would, it would have been, have worked. it would not have worked. No. Um, for me, I I mean, I didn't do, my process wasn't dissimilar. Uh, I think it was just maybe a little more condensed than yours where, you know, I was slowly starting to study and then clinical ended. I rescheduled the exam and then I went really hard for like three weeks. Um, but I was still coasting with 10 hours a week for a couple, few months before that. And that allowed me to kind of do that. And I was the same way in school. All I did was the PowerPoints that I was given, I just reread the PowerPoints and took the exam. I wasn't quite a crammer. Like I would still start reviewing early, but all I would do is read through. I wouldn't write notes. I wouldn't do anything like that. The only thing I did differently with this exam was have more modes of studying Mm -hmm. between the score builders, base camp arena questions, the practice tests, the two different books and, um, the podcast and he even sold like a $10 cheat sheets that I, I got. So I think I was more diverse in the materials that I had available to me to review. And that was purely because if I was going to study that many hours, I needed something to switch it up so that I could keep doing. Yeah. Just that was basically all it was. Uh, And at a certain point, like I was listening to, old episodes of the podcast and I would listen to five or six in a day because I just couldn't stand looking at the the book anymore. But and you love podcasts in general. Like yeah, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. yeah. So I, I listen to podcasts and so that was probably a lot easier for you than, yeah. you know, ripping through the book per se. Yeah, for sure. And it was, you know, the book gives you what the book gives you, but hearing someone else's thought process can be that much more beneficial and your CIs and other people around you, other classmates, like they don't, even people who've taken the exam, like me and you, I can't, I can't tell you how to think on those questions. They're so dumb, uh, but this guy's good. And 
it is very important of how you read and interpret the question oh, yeah. because one word in there oh, yeah. directs you to the answer. And picking up on like those keywords is huge for the exam. Yeah, and I can't tell you what those keywords are. I no. don't remember. <laughs> no. I, I got over that and, and I moved on with my life. But uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Rice with NPT Clinical Files will be that guy. So mm-hmm. That's almost uh, as important as knowing the information. Oh, dude. Yeah, I think it's, it is as important for sure, mm-hmm. if not more important. Um, because like you always hear people say, like, I'm not a good test taker. I'm not a good test taker. Part of that can be related to like test anxiety and and those things, but part of it is that like just skills of reading questions and understanding how the person who wrote the question is trying to lead you down a path and being able to follow their thought process is important, more important than knowing the actual answer to the question oftentimes. It can help you rule out two or three so easily just from understanding what the question is truly asking. 100%. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's an advantage that probably both of us had just in general with test taking and recognizing that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people prepping, definitely look at Kyle Rice's MPT Clinical Files. It's a wholly beneficial podcast for developing that understanding of the questions. One thing I did want to point out that both of us had in common was something we didn't have, and that was our class notes. Yeah. I remember I started looking at that in the beginning, like before we had our, our score builders thing, just like, you know, starting to peruse some of the things that I wasn't as strong with, like the acute care stuff or whatever. And um, and then you get the score builders. It is completely different. Oh, yeah. What, so, like, don't even look at your class notes because it, it is written towards the books and know yeah. the books. Yeah, I did not review anything from school. I was like, I don't care what what they taught me. I care what the NPT wants me to care about for now. Um, so, yeah, I have I, to. But I have a classmate who, who did review, like, some of the acute care stuff, cardiopalm-like things, and I think our cardiopalm professor was too evidence-based to study from mm-hmm. and you really needed to go to like what does the npt think about you know cardiopalm so i would yeah definitely go buy the books um yeah and i mean everyone listening to this is probably taking it in july and so you're listening to this and it's mid-may you have the month the rest of may all of june and pretty much all of july so you're at the 12 week away mark my recommendation would be to accumulate 180 to 200 hours of studying in the next 12 weeks. Um, that boils down to what per week? 180 hours per week for 12 weeks. It's obviously more than 10. It's probably 15. 180 divided by 12. Yeah, 15. 15. All right. So, yeah, 15 hours a, a week at minimum. So Monday, Super doable. Yeah, super doable. Monday through Friday, three good hours a day of focused quality studying. And you should be pretty good. Uh, I think if you are someone who's anxious about tests, double it. That's also very doable if you're not working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like towards the end, I was doing 40 hours a week. I think I was probably only getting 20 hours worth of quality information. But if you have 12 weeks and you can study 20 hours a week, I think you'll be good, mm-hmm. especially if you're diverse in, in what you're exposing yourself to. But, yeah, any other advice for the 
yeah. people out there. I'll get away from the academic stuff. You know, this is the last little bit of time <laughs> you're going to have before you're working a full-time schedule for, you know, the rest of your life, basically, right? So, you know, you are only going to have 15-ish, maybe a little bit more, just an average around 15 hours to study a week. Use that other time to get away from the exam. Don't think about the exam. Focus on your mental health, focus on your physical health, stay active, and that'll just help you, you know, manage the stress of this crazy exam and going into this, this very, it is a stressful test for, for a lot of people. So managing some of those other things will just put you in a better place um, physically, mentally going into the exam. Yeah, yeah you gotta do some stuff you enjoy. Even if you even if you double that and you do thirty hours a week, or you know you're you're a little behind, or you have trouble with test taking in general, and fifteen isn't enough, and you want to do twenty five, totally good. But twenty five hours a week is still, you know, study for for six hours, Monday through Thursday, and that's your twenty five hours a week. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just absolutely enjoy yourself and chill mm -hmm. but just be very specific set a schedule set a routine make sure your friends and your your family whoever you're around knows what your schedule is and then don't kind of falter on that and you'll be you'll be in a good spot um cool well we appreciate you guys listening uh let us know if you have any other questions about the npte there's also the rise foundations course which starts may 18th which you know is a great opportunity to ask for five clinicians opinion on the MPT because it's live and you can ask questions. So if you need a little bit more guidance on the MPT, that might be a great medium for you to get some guidance on it. Yeah. And also, you know, you, you are still a student, you're not a clinician yet, so you can still take advantage of that student discount. Yeah. The student discount and you're applying for jobs soon and having, you know, already some intense con ed, not super intense, but having, you know, uh, extensive con ed course uh, under your belt is going to to look pretty good so um, yeah let us know go to sportsrehabeducation.com for more info on that and apart from that uh, we hope you guys uh, have some happy studying and let us know if you have any questions thanks a lot thank you for listening to the training room talk podcast we hope today's discussion was helpful in illuminating some of the complexities behind pain and rehab if you don't know where to go from here, please reach out to us with questions. We have mentorship options for clinicians and students and programming options for you to elevate your own fitness. We look forward to speaking with you and again, hope you enjoyed today's discussion.